My Mug, episode 316 on Monday the 1st of December 2014. I am your host Stephen Layton, welcome to In My Mug. And what we always start with is definitely the news. So instead of a bong, I want sleigh bells, because it's Christmas and Christmas is upon us. And who wouldn't want to receive one of these wonderful gift cards for Christmas? A must for every coffee lover. Or an In My Mug subscription, where you get a little card and you can kind of give it and they're on the site and you should definitely buy them. They are amazing. Um, our decorations are up on the site, so it means that it must be Christmas, which means our Christmas posting times and opening times are on the front page. There's a little banner where you can click through, and it's got like a little delivery van for shipping times and opening times. Um, we also have some special Christmas gifts on there as well. It is definitely worth checking out. And um, this month's guest blend um, comes from Esther's that is in London, um, and uh, very excited to have this blend, as they gave us the brief of just your most favourite coffees. Money is no object. And money was no object in building this blend. It is a bit special and I think you will enjoy it. It's some of my favourite coffees of the year. And that was the wonderful, wonderful news. So now we should go to focus on and it's time to focus on El Salvador coffee production. Today we're going to do the focus on in Salvadorian coffee production. Actually, I don't want to use this. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Salvadorian coffee production. I'm Alejandro Martinez from Finca, Argentina. Um, El Salvador historically has produced in between a million to a million and a half bags. But lately, due to the leaf frost disease that affected us a couple years ago, uh, production Production actually is down to 700,000, 600,000 bags. Uh, for this year, we, as an industry, don't expect um, significant improvements, mainly about 20%. Um, I'm kind of worried a bit uh, long-term for coffee production in El Salvador. Uh, main problems are um, there's not a lot, of, a lot of incentives for people to keep producing coffee. There's a big genera generational shift and not a lot of the young growers actually want to keep on doing it. So, um, will you stop trying to take over <laughs> my in my book? You tried to do this in episode three hundred. Um, yeah, folks, I'm really interested. I was I was out there listening, really. So, it's obviously a problem at the moment with the, with the, the, the all those things going on. Do you think the leaf rust affected El Salvador more because of the lack of? Uh, gene diversity with lots of Bourbon which is very susceptible to leaf rust and Pacamara and Pacas which are again quite susceptible to right. do you think that was a main reason for um, it being such a big problem? Personally I don't um, my own opinion is that the the tree stock that we have is very old yeah. there hasn't been a lot of uh, new plantings or significant new plantings over the last 30, 40 years. And do you think that, that because of the Civil War and the, the kind of where a lot of the farms got abandoned for a while? Yeah, uh, farms get abandoned and because during the Civil War you didn't get a lot of foresight into what may happen with the country, uh, a lot of people decided not to invest and that kind of led to this uh, thinking that it's not necessary to do replanting. Um, it just stay with the old trees and that's fine. I've seen plantations with 100-year-old trees, yeah. and it's just shocking. It's like, wow, it's way too old. Um, 
So it's also a generational change with the coffee growers. I think there are a lot of coffee growers now that actually get it and they're trying to improve the yields via new plantings that will be better uh, in terms of the ability to yield and also better to support diseases and pests. I guess also a big thing in El Salvador is Paras. Um, you know, with, with the bending yeah. and taking, but that's still using very old plant stock as well. And yes. although you're getting new shoots, you've got a leaf, uh, a root structure, right. and, and, a, and a heart of the plant that's still very old. And yeah, um, it kind of almost cons you into thinking that it's new plant stock, where it's not. It's the old plant just bending right. over, and new and new shoots coming up. So I guess that's also going to play a part. Yeah. Um, good focus on. Well done. Much better right. than I would have done. And. Right. Um, but the last thing I would like to mention oh, yeah. and focus on is that's affecting coffee production in our countries. We've uh, gone from 420,000 manzanas, I think is the latest statistic, if I, if I remember correctly, um, maybe five, six years ago. And now the latest is we're at about 375,000 manzanas of coffee production. So the uh, areas of coffee production have actually gone down. And when you look at countries like Honduras or Nicaragua, that border El Salvador, their actual coffee production areas are going up. Um, so, so what, what is it? What's the land being used for now? Is it grazing or is it just different farming or what, what's... Uh, one, it may just be abandoned. So okay. you just lose the farm. Uh, the medium altitude, not necessarily specialty, but the medium altitude farms are maybe better About 700, 800 meters, something like that. 800, 900 meters. Yeah. Uh, they may be closer to a highway, better suited for uh, housing facilities. So a lot of the farmers are they, they get out, you know, to sell the land, build houses. That's it. Yeah. No, I can, I can kind of get you know, I mean, population's dead on the up, right. isn't it, in El Salvador, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's a booming country population-wise, and yeah. um, but also there seems to be a lot of foreign investment as well, and people don't necessarily want to work on a farm; they want to work in a call center or an yeah, office that, or that too. But um, I think labor for the farms is still available. Okay. Um, a lot of uh, rural uh, populations and they need the farms for their livelihoods and um, you can get good people sometimes not in that area but in other areas you can so you have to bring them over yeah yeah cool it's good focus on very good focus on far better than i could have done um so obviously you're from finca argentina farm that we know pretty well now um do you want to tell the guys the story how we kind of got to know each other the I think we said this a few times, right? We but, have, um, but it's it. Like, listen, there's always new people diving into in my mug, and also people forget because you're really boring, and they don't yeah, listen to what you're saying. So no, but I'll, uh, I'll tell the story with a new twist. Okay. So actually, um, to me, Steve has always been like, uh, yeah, Steve, right? From Haspin, yeah, Steve, and we're good friends, right? Yeah, I, yeah definitely. And um, um. I just sent a sample through a cousin of mine that lives in the UK and Steve got it, put it on the table and thought, wow, this coffee's really good. Sure, I'll buy it from you. So he bought a really small amount and then over the years we've increased uh, the amounts that, of coffee that he buys and we've done a lot of things together in the farm. Um, I value the advice that Steve, uh, Steve gives me a lot. Um, we new things and things to try. And, but to me, Steve has always been Steve. Until this year, we actually took a trip together to see some farms. And after that, I was talking to some of the guys that we were with uh, over some beers. And they were mentioning, like, how they were asking me, how did you manage to get your coffee uh, through to Steve? Like, it's amazing that Steve is selling your coffee. I'm like, really? How so? 
don't you know, like Steve is like Steve, and I'm like, oh, I know. I am yeah. Steve. It's quite right. And I, no, but at that point, I, I didn't realize how much a lot of the coffee farmers actually admire Steve and the work he does. Because for me, kind of got in a back way, I guess. And yeah, yeah. and we've developed this relationship, and it's always been kind of weird. But yeah, and I don't know if you want. You're going to edit this out, but no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I'd say it's, it's very kind of you to say. But like, we're lucky. We work with some great people. But a lot of the people I've kind of met through yeah. Cup of Excellence, yeah, yeah. or I've met through uh, other relationships with other producers. And you right. just kind of came out of the blue with this bag of coffee yeah. through the post and went try this, and it was like. Okay, and we get a lot of that. We get an awful lot of samples come through, and most of them are pretty awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it was a, it was a shock to find a good one, uh, and it's the only way. Yours is the only coffee I've ever bought that way. Out of all of the samples we have, and we have like one or two a week turn up. You know, my uncle owns a farm, or mm-hmm. and it was that. You know, my cousin owns a farm in El Salvador. It's not that story. <laughs> like I've heard this a few times, um, uh, but it was interesting the first time we met. So Ali heard that I was in San Salvador. Um, right, and emailed me. He's like, "Hey, you're in Santa and I'd got like three days. That was it. It was like the tightest trip. And I said, "Look, I am, but I'm I'm booked up. I, I booked to lie in bed one morning because I'd got a flight right. in the evening. And I thought I'll just lie until midday and then just you know go and do my, the bits." And I said, "Look, all I've got is six o'clock in the morning until midday, and I need to be back at the hotel midday. Right. If you can do that, then we'll do it." Yeah. And like half past five, you sitting outside the hotel in these pickup yeah. truck. Come on, let us go. And yeah, and, and the now, rest is now I have to book to go. <laughs> I have to. I always have to arrange it and, and book the time. But back then, it was just like yeah, it was just a weird trip, and it, it worked well. Yeah, and thanks. So, yeah. so tell us about the farm, where it is, how long it's been in the family, um, and, uh, and 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 a little bit about Fincona too, and. Um, Okay. Yeah. So um, Argentina was uh, bought by my grandfather back in '75 or '73. Um, he managed it for a long time. Then he passed away uh, mid '80s. My uh, father inherited. Um, he, my father, has always been a farmer, but mainly different things. Really, not coffee. Uh, I think I know more about coffee farming than he does, but he knows a lot about farming in general. Yeah. So he he grew macadamia nuts. So he made me plant some macadamia trees at the farm, <laughs> uh, rice, soybeans, a whole host of things. So um, Argentina is basically fifty manzanas, which translates into about thirty-five hectares. Uh, it's which is quite big for El Salvador. Right, it's a medium size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. Like we we buy from some farms that are like seven he- seven or eight yeah, hectares. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of like. Think about it like La, La Lujon that these guys will have a reference point is like eight hectares. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger than somewhere like that. So, um, it's subdivided in seven tablons. I think two years ago with Steve, we actually sold the coffee from all the different tablons. Um, Which was amazing. It's like it went so well. Like, it, it, it just people really bought into that right. stuff. Um, I think the, the vast majority was that everybody still preferred the San Jorge. Which right. is the lot that you originally sent me, right? Right. Um, but all the others had such diversity. In what is you know a small plot of land in a, in one mm-hmm. area? Um, so there's there's San Jorge, Fincona two, Los Mangos, um, Fincona one, where Fincona. we have a, the Canimore. Yeah, actually, um, I've been talking to a lot of people and they actually enjoy the Canimore a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, if you have comments. 
please uh, Twitter me at Fink Argentina. Yeah, you can um, follow him on Twitter, and I'll get them to put the link on the screen so they can see. <laughs> okay, you might get you might get a couple of followers from no, it. No, absolutely, um, I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, Fincona one, Fincona two, and then there's lots of mangoes, yeah. and then some of the other ones that we don't that every now and then, depending of the quality, whether we get a good one or not. Yeah, that is uh, Cuatro Manzanas, Piletas, yes. and Huachipilín. So, Pilatus was one of my favourites. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, tricky. It's on yeah. and off. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And so, what happens with the coffee that you know you isn't up to the standard that we would buy? Where 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 do you find a home for that afterwards? Stuff usually goes through the mill, and they sell it. Uh, either they blend it with other coffees and they sell it, like uh, as so an SHG or something right. like they that. Sell or it commercially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. So. Um, Interesting developments with the mill. The mill that you've always worked with has changed this year. So we've got a new mill going to be processing this year's coffee. Correct. Tell us a little bit about the mill and kind of how you end up finding a mill. In a- so a lot of farms will have the mill on the farm and they'll have it there ready to go. Whereas in El Salvador, that's not so common. It's more um, unusual. You would normally right. take it to a mill that right. will process it and, and do it all there. Traditionally, coffee in El Salvador was processed, uh, washed. So you need a lot of water. And most of the farms are up in the mountains, and they do not have water there. But you also and, need the, yeah. the warmer temperatures to dry them as well. And the higher up you go, it's a bit cooler. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that may be that may be an issue too. But the main issue is water. So basically, all the mills were in the history of El Salvador were actually um, built at the lower altitudes, where there in there's a big basin, and underneath there's a large supply of water. So that's why. Yeah. And, uh, and that's fairly common as well. So in Nicaragua, you see a lot of the the mills are at the lower temperature. So you know you bring the cherry right. down to the centre point, which is normally the valley, and then it all gets processed and done there. So so how do you go about finding a new mill in El Salvador? Okay, so a lot of it is trust. You gotta make sure that the people that are going to be processing the coffee are um, they have the right equipment and the right attention to detail. Um, so. This year, I actually visited a friend of the family, Emilio Lopez, uh, who owns El Manzano, and um, did a few visits, really like him, really like the approach he's taking with the coffee, and um, he actually is the one that uh, Emilio provided the coffee and processed the coffee for the U.S. Barista Champion of this year for Leila Gabbana. Oh, for Leila. Yes. Okay. Oh, fantastic. So... I remember because she talked about him and she had the photos of the farmer right. and, the, and the guy at the right. mill as well. So I'm right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So um, I think uh, his mill is a small mill. He processes like 7,000 King Tyler, So it's not a large amount. And I think that's uh, a plus because I wanted to really uh, take good care of the coffee from Argentina. How, so how, how much did El Mono produce, like, process uh, at the height? El Mono... Well, range between twenty five thousand to thirty five thousand quintiles. So that's the previous mill. Um, right. So I was doing three, four times as much. And uh, we still we always struggle. They did a, a good job. They were amazing. They did a good job. But they have because they had a lot of production. They had a, a lot of uh, their focus was more on commercial, and it's hard to change. The I, I, I used to turn up, and this pain in the ass from the UK yeah. turned up and wanted to cup stuff yeah. like cup. Oh, we'll have to dust off the sample roaster. And <laughs> no, we, we always cut, but uh, uh, I think cupping for different things though. But yeah, yeah. It, and, but you know, but every year I came, the, the cupping mm. room got a bit better. And like yeah. the first time I came, up, it was pretty awful. Right, right. It was pretty after, awful. Your, after you gave me some input, we decided yeah. to try to improve no, no, it a bit, and definitely, we went through definitely, that. And it, it got lots, lots better. It really did. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, the farm this year, we, we know last year, so this year's crop that we got, we, is the in my mother this week, which is yeah. was vastly reduced. Like, so you lost like 90% of the crop. Um, and that was down to pruning. It was down to replanting. And it was also down to leaf rust, which is a, was a big problem. Um, right. How's the farm now? So the farm now, I think uh, it has uh, recovered significantly. Um, it's not up to the level I would like, but it's certainly up. Um, at this date, where we're talking here now, but at, at this date, I already have it in uh, the whole production that we harvested last year, uh, which was about <laughs> 112 quintales. And these early already have that already delivered. And we're still waiting for, a lot of the coffee is still green, so we're still waiting for that. So we're expecting significantly more, which is... Yeah, I mean, help. El Salvador picking tends to start early October, mid-October, yeah. and we can run through till February, can't it? February, right. March time. Right. Um, so that's great that it's kind of there already. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a lot that isn't this one that we're going to be cooking on in my mug, which is kind of weird, but we'll explain why uh, at the end. So I want to talk about San Jorge, and San Jorge is very much like... I, I remember you telling me the story, that was the coffee your granddad used to take home yes. to drink himself, because yeah. it was the, the best. I also love that it's St. George. Yeah, St. George and, and the, the... Like, St. George on, on Argentina. Like, the Argentinians hate us. So you call the top, best part of their farm St. <laughs> George. They'll go crazy at that. Um, but San Jorge has always been special to me. Um, and we did a bit of an experiment last year um, with Dale. Um, yes, we did. Yeah, and, and do you want to tell people kind of a little bit about what, what we did on that, on that plot? Sure. So Dale gave me a call and he wanted to use San Jorge for barista competition. And he really wanted to work closely with the producer and try to determine sort of what, uh, as a producer, we could do to influence the flavor of the bean in the end. So... Um, Basically, we decided to over-fertilize the coffee via foliar sprays, and we separated San Jorge in, into three different parts, each one less than a hectare, actually. And um, in one, we just did the traditional type of nutrition for that one. And then, so that would be like three big sprays? No, it just three uh, fertilizations to the ground. Yeah. Your standard. So just not what you would normally do, you just go run through, Few months that run through, run through, right. and then with plot B. Now the other two plots, what we did was uh, we applied foliar sprays, significant amounts um, of foliar sprays every 15 days because that's the time it takes for the coffee plant to move all the nutrients around. So every 15 days we were spraying the plant for two and a half months, more or less. But also analyzing soil and leaf to see what was going in, right. what was missing, and what needed to be upped. Correct. So changing the levels, which I thought, like, this was an amazing uh, eye-opener to me, that you can kind of mm. see what needs, what the plant needs right. more of. So we were putting all that in, and then that lot, we actually, in, in one area, we applied molybdenum, and in the other one, we didn't. We were just trying to see if we could increase the sweetness of the of the cup. So molybdenum is something that's used in sugarcane farming, mm. which uh, increases the sweetness right. in sugarcane farming. And Ali had this idea. So this wasn't me and Dale being clever. This was saying to Ali, if you could do anything you wanted mm. on the farm, any experiment, what would you do? And you'd read about this molybdenum in a... Right, we researched with some technicians, yeah. and then we did more research on it. And, and there was like one tub in the whole of El Salvador... 
And didn't you go and get like the sample tub from yes. the guy? So, he's like, like, I, so I, I went to the technician, like, sure, I'll buy the molybdenum. And he's like, oh, I think I only have a litter. I'm like, fine, just give me the litter. And he actually gave it for free so we could try it out if, if there's any actual impact of it. Um, and to me, it was great because actually my dad doesn't believe in foliar sprays. Um, there, there have been studies that he has read that foliar sprays don't really influence the yield that you get out of the coffee. No. So what we were trying to assess from my perspective is if it doesn't in influence on the yield, how does it influence on the quality of the cup? So, so to me, it was also great to see if we overspray it, we over provide over nutrition, does it really influence the cup? I think where it's really interesting as well is like, plots of tablons like Pilates is mm. like it dots it's like an 84 an 85 point cup right. um, and like when we cooked so when we cooked the these three lots from San Jorge like I cooked the first Inglaterra and I think it was like an 87 86 mm. 87 something like that and then I cooked the next one with just the foliar sprays and not the molly I was like this is better this is a little bit more sweetness it's a little bit more rounded and pronounced it's like 87 88 and then we got to the Molly Denham one and went that's a lot sweeter that's like an 88 89 and this was completely blind on a table and we repeated it back here right. and found exactly the same results and it's just like if we can do that to a coffee that's already really good what can we do to Pilates what can right. we do to Fincona 1 what can we do to varietals that are hardier but don't produce as good a cup. And right. these were the questions that it started to ask in my head. Um, so we took this coffee, we had a tiny amount of each. It was like yeah. 15, 20 kilos, something like that. It was of each one. Very small amounts. I, yes. I remember bringing the first lot back in my luggage because I had right. to bring it for the competition, yeah. thinking I was going to get like stopped at customs and because uh, it, it was a more significant amount of coffee than I normally carried as samples. And then... Um, we roasted it for Dale's competition, and in the competition he used the sprayed one without molybdenum and the, right. the, the test one, and uh, and then got through to the finals, and for the finals we used the sprayed one and the molybdenum. Right. Um, and because barista competition you have to do run-throughs and all the rest of it, we chewed through probably 10 kilos of it, something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> but we got 10 kilos left, and we had no idea what to do with it. No that's idea. Right. That's right. So what have we come up with this week? Uh, actually, before I do that, I should explain. Ali's been here for two weeks learning how to roast. Um, and he's been kind of living with I don't with know if Steve wants to say this on the screen because you're going to get more visitors. It's fine. It's fine. But, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's been fun. It's been but, fun hanging yeah. out. And visiting relatives. And since I was in the UK, I told Steve, can I hang out? So he said, sure, come on over. And we began hanging out. I've been annoying him a lot. And <laughs> we're going to the football on Saturday. We're going to football we're, we're Saturday, against Chelsea. Saturday. This will be out by then, so they'll know the yeah, results awesome. and they'll know yeah. whether we're happy or sad. But, Ooh. Um, he got me a Doctor Who scarf. <laughs> what a Sunderland scarf you yeah. to wear in the game. Um, but yeah, so we had 10 kilos of coffee left. I had no idea what to do with it because it's such a small amount. I don't even know, and it was, a, it was kind of a little bit more expensive to... Right, do yes. and, you know? And, and Molly Denham was free, but if we'd had to buy that, and all the other sprays and the analyses were more expensive. So, what have you come up with as a way of marketing this coffee? What are we going to do? I think we're going to do a, a special Christmas blend. So, we're, you you'll be able to taste. Actually, they're washed and pop naturals for the three San Jorge's, and you're going to be. It's going to be five coffees. You're going to be able to try them all, and maybe you can 
notice the subtle differences that we taste in in the different lots. I mean, five coffees from one hectare. Like it's a tiny plot of land. It's the best of the farm, you know. Right. San Jorge for me has always come out as the best of the farm, and it's the one we've always charged a little bit more money for right. because I think he deserved it. Right. Um, but uh, this is unique. Like I don't know anywhere else you can try this, and we've got a lovely presentation box to put them in. We've got a lovely booklet with my story, your story, right. and Dale's story about using the coffee. Um, I think it's pretty cute. It's going to be I good. Know. I hope people like it. Yeah, I hope I so too. Do. And it's seriously limited amounts as well. So you're going to pre-order. We're going to roast it all in one day because it's just right. one roast of each. So better not screw <laughs> that one up, had I? Yeah. Um, but it's just going to be like, you know, that when it's gone, it's gone. Um, and it, I think it's a great Christmas present for somebody that, you know, likes the farm because there's a lot of fans of Argentina because they've met you at London yeah. Coffee Festival and seen you on this a few times <laughs> now. Um but no, I think it's going to be really good. You're also, I haven't told you this either, but um, you're also going to be Grower of the Month for December on oh, the website. Nice. He was our first ever Grower I of the Month. I appreciate it. That's and I got an email about, I don't know, it was about seven or eight months into doing Grower of the Month. He says, why am I never Grower of the Month? And I was like, you were the first. Um, but because of this special pack and because right. of you being here, we're going to have you as Grower of the Month for right. December. Um, and, you know, this pack's a great opportunity to try some awesome coffee. It's, oh, no. And the other thing I want to mention to everybody uh, taking the opportunity is after we did this whole foliar spraying right for Dell's coffee um, this year we've actually decided to keep one of the persons Marco Don Marco he's been he's the one that did the foliar sprays I decided to keep him working specifically on San Jorge and one other person Alfredo so these two guys have been working the whole year full time just on San Jorge so these harvests I'm actually expecting to be great, Fantastic. but we'll see. But and that's a pilot program that I want to do. Just just by lot have people responsible for that lot, and if the lot ones are great, they can actually see some rewards from it. Yeah, that, you know, and some incentives. So that's kind of the idea behind it. And yeah, really just good. bring it out. Mate, mate, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm thinking on my feet here because this is the first time you've told me about this, but maybe we should have an in-house competition between the lots blind cupping competition right. to, yeah, and then, you know, we'll work out the pricing accordingly and make sure that they all get a yeah. bonus. We'll, yeah. we'll work some No, out. they will love that. We will talk some more about this. Okay, excellent. Um, so, Fincona 2 is the one that we're going to do, as it, as, and these guys have got us there in my mug this week. Oh, okay, great. Um, Tell us a bit about Fincona too, where it is on the farm, what the soil in particular is like, because each tablon has a unique set of circumstances to it, doesn't it? Yes, we actually measured the whole farm, uh, all this, the soil characteristics of each tablon, and Fincona too, interestingly enough, is split, it's like a rectangle, it's split down the middle, one side has a little bit more clay than the other, both of them have a lot of organic matter, and uh, the soil is very loose. Uh, it just makes growing coffee there so much easier. Um, uh, Fincona 2 it starts uh, slowly going up and then towards half of the tablon it, it gets really steep. Um, what else can I tell you? It's all Bourbon, uh, all trees. Um, it's actually on my replanting schedule but it won't be replanted for maybe three more years and we're gonna rip it all out and do it, do it brand new. But, um, the coffee tends to uh, have a citrus acidity to it. Um, I, I taste oranges. Yeah. Um, 
it's a bit it's always a big descriptor for me yeah, with the uh, oranges is something that really does power through in, in lots of Argentina right. I mean it's through the DNA of it and sure. pomegranate acidity that yeah. you mentioned I yeah. mean this is I remember the first time I said that to you and you were like yes pomegranate <laughs> yeah and one day in the supermarket I found a pomegranate I actually bought it brewed the coffee had the pomegranate <laughs> I was sipping the coffee and eating the pomegranate at the same time and I'm like, yeah, I see it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely is there. Ah, uh, he's yeah. just being kind. Um, mm. So, uh, before we go and brew the coffees, I want to take this opportunity to talk to you about uh, La Manuela. Oh, yes. So, so, this is, so, Ali got bored with like, you know, only having 90% crop this year, so... No, not really that. that. My yeah. neighbour uh, didn't work the farm. Uh, my neighboring farm was uh, also 50 manzana, same size of, as Argentina. And hence a lot of the problem with the leaf rust was because Correct. he wasn't maintaining because his land. He did only, uh, he would clean, you know, the weeds twice a year, maybe one fertilization, that was it. So they didn't manage the farm. All the leaf rust from that farm blew over into Argentina, created all this chaos. And eventually they put up the farm up for sale and we jumped on the opportunity um, is great because now we have more land to manage on the same site. We know the site is great, so we're really excited about it. So first thing we did is, uh, uh, well, uprooted all the all the all the trees. Um, that and it's super overgrown. So yeah. like, like on last visit, we went up there, and you were just in the process of cutting down all the trees right. and letting the sunlight come through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so it's a brand new farm that we're working working on. Um, and when and can we expect to see the first harvest from there? Are, are you harvesting this year? It, we're going to cop it this year with Steve. See if he likes it, and if he likes it, he may be on in my mug soon. Cool. Yeah. That could be good. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, so, is it, is, is it? Are you doing replantings there as well? Have you got like a replanting program there? Is there particular varietals you're looking to go down the route of there? So, um, we're replanting the county more because we've had good experiences with it, mm-hmm. and we're also looking at some uh, pacamara to put into that farm and uh, yellowica too. So interesting. Um, I expect this year we're planting fifty-five thousand trees. Last year we planted twenty thousand trees, um, and the following year we're gonna take a hiatus from planting on Manuela. We're actually working on Argentina, and then we're coming back to Manuela to to finish her off. Like, Fantastic. All the different. And you've stuff. got plans only to kind of do the nursery at the at the farm a little bit more and do your own planting there. And you, you were talking to me last time we was there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, I've tried to explain to these guys about the geothermal stuff going on underneath the the thing and, and like the little yeah. blowholes, and you can see the smoke coming out the side of the right. mountain. Explain to them in proper language what's actually going on in the mountain and what that those smoke billowing out are and the the big cat things that they've got. So on the mountain range, it's actually an active uh, volcano chain, I would say. So we have all these vents, volcanic vents, uh, nearby, and that area is very prolific with volcanic vents. Uh, the largest geothermal plant in El Salvador is actually what, 20 minutes, 20 minute drive, 30 minute drive from Argentina, and there's a, a huge vent on the farm next to ours. Um, on our actual farm, we sold to the geothermal company four manzanas that they actually drilled 2.8 kilometers deep. Uh, for geothermal energy. So that's something that they may develop at some point in the future. And basically what you see in Argentina is all these steam and heat coming off the ground, sulfur smelling too. 
It smells you like get a little bit of scorching sometimes, don't you? Yeah, on the, the plants yeah. and things, and yes. that's particularly on is on it? Los Mangos. Los yeah. Mangos, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I I took you over to we have some mud springs. I like to call them because basically the soil is so hot that the soil just boils over with the water. It's like muddy, and it's just scary. <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's, 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 it's a unique place. It's definitely a right, unique right. farm. Um, so we should whack these guys on pause. Right. Actually, no, before we do that, we'll what? whack them on pause. And here's this week's map bit. So you can see the geothermic bits. So here I am. But I'm also joined this time with Ali because he's come on the mic. Say hello, Ali. Hey, hello, guys. So we're going up, up, up and away. And... Um, that's England. England. Inglaterra, yes. Inglaterra. See. Si. Um, so here we are in Central America. A um, lot of coffees from Central America and an awful lot from El Salvador. Um, we kind of have a whole spine of coffees in El Salvador. And I'm going to hand you over now to Ali to tell you about this bit. So we're zooming in in El Salvador, as you can see. And, um, yeah, it is known as the land of the volcanoes. That's what Cuscatlan actually means. is the valley of the hammocks because it shakes so much. Uh, now we're zooming into the west part of the country, and you can see uh, Finca Argentina up there. Uh, we're starting to zoom in. It's in Apanecala Matepec range, and uh, that's And that's the actual right house there, isn't it? So you can. Yeah. It was obviously a clear day when Google Earth came to town. True. Um, that big patch you see there is the geothermal, um, I guess, perforations that they did on the farm so that was the bit that you were saying that they you mm-hmm. sold to the geothermic com- company yeah, uh, yeah is that guatemala it. in the distance and in the back you see guatemala the yellow line to the left that would be guatemala and taking steve to see some farms on the right side of that this year fantastic i can't wait it's a uh, part of the country i've never been to so it's kind of get good to get a bit and now we can see that how close the pacific ocean is really to the farm but we're at what 13 1400 meters um but right, close to the sea so it's a steep up volcano part isn't it it's yeah yeah it is as you can notice from from this zoom in picture yeah. and, and that was the jewel that bit well done mate thanks so this week we should go to roland's daft fact of the week So, Roland, tell us your daft fact of the week. So, El Salvador actually has the first country in the world with an elected government from a former guerrilla group. This happened in 2009. The group with the FMLN fought during the civil war and after the peace agreements decided to become a political party and became the first political party former guerrillas to actually gain power through democratic elections. And that is your Daft Fact of the Week. That was scary. Right, we are going to wipe you on pause now. We're going to go and make tasty and delicious drinks. We'll be back with you in just a second. So, right. so we're back. We should dive straight into the espresso. I'll let you try it first. Sure. It gives you a chance to have a think about what you want to say. Um, what do you think you're tasting in there? So, mm. 
so the thing for me with Fincona 2 is that that acidity the orange acidity is there but for me it's a little bit more like lemon like it's more it's, it's very citrusy it's very citrusy I just get these hints of lemon um, and as an espresso I think it's really kind of like wow you know it's like really pale almost Kenyan-esque with that kind of high acidity sure I can see that but it, it's also um, I'm not a big espresso guy but I tasted it and I thought oh this is nice it's mm-hmm. well balanced so there's definitely more sweetness than you would find and, and that's a great I mean for me washed El Salvadorian coffees are sweet city and right. give me sweetness in an espresso I'm a happy man right. um, let you try it in cappuccino sure Chris has done lovely art on the cappuccino for us Chris made the drinks today well, I made the Chemex but Chris made the, uh, the drinks today so what I'm expecting is the sweetness getting increased in this and the acidity dropping off because as soon as you add milk to it you know And exactly what I expected. It's the sweetness of the milk just brings out the sweetness of the coffee, and that kind of whole chocolatey, but mouthfeel as well. So it just thickens the mouthfeel up, and it's just more. Mm, that's good. That's actually a really good cappuccino. The milk's great on that yeah, too. This is the type of cappuccino I would get before going to bed, actually. Yeah. 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 yeah no. The very milk much. is great, and you have that great taste, and yeah. Awesome. Before we move on to the cappuccino, uh, like the, the the brewed coffee part of it, because um, we've had espresso and cappuccino, I've also got to say well done to Dale, who is the Midlands barista champion as of last Sunday. Uh, competed again. Do um, you think he'll do better than second this year? Um, I hope so. I think yeah. Maxwell will nobble him again. I hope so. At least, well... Uh, who knows? Who, indeed, who, who knows? knows? Who knows? But super well done to Dale. Very proud. Uh, competed under the Has Been banner um, and uh, did really, really good. Scored an amazing score. Didn't use your coffee this year, though. Uh, for this regional, he said he was just grabbing what was available. Wasn't going too crazy. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what he, he uses. Yeah. We will. We will. Exciting times. Um, I've also got another thank you to do because uh, Simeon Walker has sent me in a mug. Uh, I basically... Yeah. People send me a mug. I send them a t-shirt in my mug t-shirt that you can't buy. You can only get given one. Mm. So, Simeon, you're going to get your t-shirt. It is on its way to you. Thank you very much. Um, I love mugs. Babylon 5 as well. Whatever happened to Babylon 5? I have no idea. I actually never watched No? Show. No. At that point, I was still watching Star Trek, actually. <laughs> then it's Star Trek Next Generation. Trek. And then after a while, I just... Didn't want more sci-fi in my life. And uh, Ali has the the has been guest mug. Oh, as you, yeah. you 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 are a guest on my show. Excellent, so, thank you. Yeah, you know, I thought about this stuff. Mm. I think about the mugs that I use, you know, every week. Nobody notices, but I think about them. So for me, this is where this coffee comes into its own. I love your coffees as brewed coffee. Um, I think they're great espressos. I really do. Um, and particularly the San Jorge is a great espresso. But as brewed coffee, the rest of the farm for me just sings. Like, the mouthfeel gets increased. So, that lemon acidity is big there. I get a real kind of melted butter mouthfeel to it. It's thick, but it's sweet. It's almost like, you know, like the um, like popcorn butter, that kind of, like, sticky oh, yeah, thing, you know? Yeah. The one that you... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, really like this coffee as a brewed coffee. I think it, uh, it sings, it comes into its own. Um, 
and yeah, it's a great everyday coffee. I mean, I've just been transported back to a, a lunch in my parents' house in San Salvador. But this that's what we get right after that. That's day. what El Salvador coffees do well, though. It's that they're drinkable, quaffable, interesting, delicious right. coffees. That you know, like they're not too complicated. That mm. there's enough in there for a geek, but the, there's enough in there just to enjoy it and, and oh, sit yeah. back and go, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And made by the king of Chemex as well, of course. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's what's nailed it. So, anyway, um, enough silliness. We are done here. Thank you very much for joining us both. Um, Thank you. As, it's, as you're sitting in the presenter seat, you've got to say the life's too short for bad coffee, I'm afraid. So, over to you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, so, I'm the presenter. Um, I should have the guest more greedily. Yeah. Uh, remember, life is too short for bad coffee. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Cheers. Mm. It's actually good coffee. Of course it is,